This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to On the Bench. I am Brendan Sinone. I'm joined right now by Chris Nee as we put together an emergency podcast, everyone's favorite. And the topics, Christopher, do you want to go into uh, why you banned my bourbon thread or uh, how the box checkers beat uh, team sticking to landing handily? No, I, I'm just going to say rules are rules for known. Know that with your bourbon. We'll let bourbon come back and maybe some other talk, but for now it's football. And of course, my team beat your team, despite the fact I have no O-line and my quarterback's currently injured because I do have a defense. I think it's largely because people like you better than me, which is accurate. also true. Yes. <laughs> all right. The reason we're actually here, though, is the emergency, which really wasn't an emergency because we all knew it was coming. James Blackman named quarterback one for FSU. Mike Norvell had his Tuesday press conference to start off what what is really kind of the first game week for Florida State, even though game week is technically next week. But this was his first uh, introduction into Georgia Tech prep. And with that, he gives the opening statement, says he had a good week of practice or a good day of practice. Need to clean this up, do this. And by the way, James Blackman is going to be our starting quarterback this year. Yeah, he slid it right in there mid-sentence. I was pretty humored how it was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to transition. Here you go. Here's the news that everybody's about to go type really fast on Twitter. He did that with uh, the injury news with Chubba Purdy and Jordan Wilson as well. So actually, Chris, when he started to kind of drift off and he goes, oh, and we also want, I opened up the James Blackman story and started getting it ready just in case, which we had ready to go. I think sometimes he, he comes in with his packaged opening, which pertains to specifically that day, and he forgets sometimes sort of in and out he needs to throw this news in there at the end the injuries for example blackman there was another example of somebody else that got banged oh zane herring's injury i think he intended to bring that up in his opening that day and he simply forgot which is why i asked him on the back end of that press conference so i think that's sort of his mo that's how he's going to go about doing openings so as he reveals that information that james blackman is going to be the starting quarterback you said it up front at the podcast chris this is an emergency podcast because it's big news but it's not unexpected news we had an idea that it was going to be James Blackman from all intel we were getting from camp he was getting the first team reps and then when Chubba Purdy gets hurt that pretty much closed the door I think because Purdy was the only one who had maybe the upside to push James if he had a great couple weeks but just to be fair and I'll give you your point here Chris this isn't because Purdy is the quarterback of, of team box checkers I don't think I don't think Chubba was yet in striking position to beat out James Blackman he was by far the most consistent quarterback in camp for the Seminoles yeah, he's a guy that we know took the most reps in both scrimmages. He's a guy that's kind of led practices. I think the other thing with James is that his time in the spring, despite it being abbreviated because of the pandemic, that the staff definitely knew that he was a guy that was kind of ready for it at that point. Obviously, Tate was brand new to the program at that point. Jordan Travis, you know, back in the spring and again here in the fall has been limited at times with what he's been able to do. We don't believe he did much of anything, both scrimmages here. He had a day in the spring where he had to take it off because the arm was bugging him. So he's not really been able to fire at full 100% capacity to compete. 
But that all being said, James has also done a good job separating himself. And that's what the comments of Norvell, Kenny Dillingham today definitely spoke about. And we've also heard that throughout the past three weeks. As I talked about the quarterback position, where they always try to include all four guys and discuss it as a unit or a room. When they speak on Blackman, it was very clear that he was doing a lot of the things they were looking for on a daily basis, a certain level of consistency. And, you know, everybody knows consistency is king. And that's what they were looking for. I think the biggest thing that today's topic brought up with him being named starter is what is different about James Blackman being named starter by Mike Norvell than when he was named starter by Willie Taggart or Jimbo Fisher? Mm -hmm. What is different this time around? And to me, that comes down to growth. And it still sort of has a question mark at the end of that word. We're looking to see how is he going to handle those moments of distress, distress, we know that last year that was sort of a bitter pill for him. When it happened, it usually went real bad. Sun Bowl left a lasting memory, definitely in my mind, and anybody else's who watched it about when it goes bad for James, it goes real bad. Mike, Mike Norvell mentioned that too for what it started to interrupt, but that was interesting kind of side comment there that Norvell had. Yeah, he, he, did he mention it today? He didn't mention it today. He's mentioned it earlier in the preseason. He though, said he got – he didn't say the Sun Bowl specifically. He said one of the things that gave me the luxury to kind of learn this team was I was here during bowl practice, practice. and I got to yeah. see him in that environment. And that was in the context – you mentioned growth, Chris. You mentioned consistency. Uh, with those in mind, the word of the day to me was respond. That was – some form of respond was uttered by James Blackman, by Mike Norvell, by Kenny Dillingham. Have you guys noticed uh, on this podcast, there's consistent messaging from, from this uh, program from top to bottom, from head coach to coordinator to, to player. But but that's going to be the variable, Chris, is yeah. how does James Blackman respond to adversity? To feed to that point, Kenny Dillingham, who was the first man up after Mike Norvell made the announcement and Norvell spoke for a little bit longer, he was asked, has Blackman grown with regards to how he responds in the time that he's been with these coaches, this staff? 100% Kenny Dillingham said. I think that's the biggest thing. I've been preaching to him as it goes back to that word consistency, right? Consistency and response are kind of one in the same. When bad things happen, can you be the same person? Every play is its own play. So who cares what happened last play? You must respond and be that consistent player that every play is its own play. I think he has bought into that. And I think you can see it throughout fall camp that he has really done a really good job with his response. And he, it, Dillingham went on. He said he's light years ahead in learning, understanding the offense from when they started, um, especially looking back on that abbreviated spring. Um, I thought one of the other very interesting things that Dilly said was that um, consistency is the mark of a championship. And he, of a, I'm sorry, consistency is the mark of a champion. And he showed that throughout camp. And that was specific to Blackman. So I think, you know, we all know that Kenny and Mike Norvell share the same brain. So I think when you hear that from Kenny, the guy who's so hands-on every second of every day with the quarterback, it echoes the belief of what the head coach is probably seeing as they're sitting down to make that decision. I think that's a fair point. And to, to kind of go off of that, because this is the big storyline when we talk about James Blackman, you mentioned earlier, Chris, it's impossible to think of James Blackman without at least to some extent or another, the Arizona State game being in the back of your mind, the Clemson game and, and the sideline meltdown being in the back of your mind. Those are those are aspects that are, are difficult for us who, who watch the team, who enjoy covering FSU, following it, whatever your dynamic is. If you watch enough FSU football, you know that is in James Blackman's arsenal, that it's happened before. That's what FSU is working to get out of, out of his habit. Uh, and Mike Norvell, I thought, was really thoughtful on that point today. There's two two points that I want to bring up that he said one was talking about bad habits that when you're tired when you're fatigued 
you fall back to bad habits. Jimbo Fisher talked about that all the time. And that's what they've been working on with James Blackman is how to handle adversity, how to respond to it. It sounds like he's legitimately been pretty happy with how James has done when, when the wheels had the potential to fall off after a mistake, not letting it trickle to two to three to four. So, so that's something I think is important in that regard. And then one other aspect too, uh, James Blackman, from what we can gather from Intel, from hearing about scrimmage notes, things like that, he's also protected the football. Like he has had maybe, I think, I don't know how many turnovers in camp, but like say the first scrimmage, I think he had maybe one turnover, if none. And the second one, he didn't have a turnover. He's done a good job of elevating that aspect of his game by all accounts. We'll have to see if it translates over to game days, which is something else that Mike Norvell discussed as well. Yeah, and there was a specific practice, I believe it fell between the two scrimmages, where the two quarterbacks up, which I believe were Blackman and Rodemaker, both threw picks early on. And Norvell spoke about how they both responded that day. I think that just speaks back on the point of one doesn't become two quite as easily as it once did for James Blackman, which is a very good thing. You know, Blackman spoke. He wasn't – it wasn't a great conversation. You know, he was happy to win the job, obviously. He was appreciative. But for him, it's just about, you know, I got to go out and work as hard tomorrow as I did yesterday. This doesn't really change anything. And he kind of kept repeating that message over and over as he spoke. But I did ask him, you know, how has the staff worked with you on improving with regards to handling those bad moments? And he said that, you know, essentially that's what they do every day. And I think the thing that you hear consistently, especially with offensive players, is that the messaging to them is the exact same over and over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And if you take to it and you work towards it, you're going to be rewarded with the staff. The other dynamic of the quarterback position that I want to discuss real quick, again, this isn't, we don't need to go super in depth. We know what James Blackman has been. We know what he needs to be in order for FSU to win seven or eight games this season and and to achieve what it can with its potential. Uh, We know how the coaching staff feels about James Blackman. This has all been documented. The other aspect that I want to discuss, Chris, what did you make of Norvell's comments about the other quarterbacks? And he made sure to mention all three of the other ones along with Blackman today I got the feeling that they got some sub packages worked out for for at least a few of the guys yeah and I know you were plugging away on Blackman and Norvell after Norvell concluded so you weren't real tuned in to Kenny Dillingham but Dillingham also spoke spoke about that they don't really consider a guy a backup quarterback they have backup quarterbacks it's a group they're pushing each other in practice they're working towards something I definitely think that you're gonna see you know if if they need to if they need to spice it up to create some something with the offense if it's not working essentially in a base set with a singular quarterback i think you're going to see jordan travis's legs utilized you potentially could see tate rodemaker go out there and do a couple things obviously chubb was shut down for a little while as he recovers from his injury and surgery but he's a guy that we definitely know behind an offensive line we expect to have woes is a guy that can make some things happen with his feet and his arm and it's kind of the complete package of what those other guys all bring to the table in the sense of what he can do with both so, yes, I certainly think that they're not viewing this as it's James Blackman. Man, I hope he doesn't get hurt because I don't know what we're doing after that. I think it's more it's James Blackman. He's our guy. He's going to be a predominant amount of the reps. But there is also value in these other guys on our roster. And it's not solely value if we want to keep them around town. It's value if they might be able to help us in game situations coming up here in 10 to 12 days. I want to move on to a quick commercial break, and then we'll come back, wrap up the podcast with a little bit of scheduling news. Did you have anything else, Chris, that you wanted to go over on James Blackman before we move forward? 
No, I, I don't think it changes our win-loss predictions, what we're viewing a whole lot. Sort of, it is what we expected it to be. I think the big question with Blackman, we're not going to know it till probably at least after that Miami game, September 26, mm-hmm. is how is he going to handle adversity when it's in a game situation? If he's shown it better in practice, that's all great. And I believe he does have a clean slate with this staff as everybody did when they arrived. And that's an excellent thing. I think that's helped him as well as some of those other guys that had to move on from the past marriages of this coaching of previous coaching staffs. But we're not going to know what a guy is really like till he's got four, six, eight quarters under his belt. He's taken some hits. He's dealt with some bad coverages. He's dealt with adversity in a game situation that can simply not be simulated in any other setting. That's when we'll know. And I think that's going to be the big question with James moving forward. And there's plenty of other guys that fall in that category, but a quarterback's always such yeah. a focal point. And I, I can hear people as I'm, I, I can feel people rolling their eyes as I'm going to say this. Uh, I'm with you, Chris, with James Blackman. Like I, people think I stump for him sometimes. I, I want to, I need to see it to believe it at this point with him too, even as we've heard encouraging things from this preseason, but I'll leave it on this note. People are allowed to change. They're allowed to get better. Obviously, they have to show it, uh, but, but you're allowed to grow and to improve at whatever your trade is and whatever your skill is. So that's where I'll leave it. We'll go into a commercial break. On the other side, Chris is going to drop some scheduling nuggets for you guys. All right, welcome back to On the Bench. We are wrapping up here with this emergency episode. While we were hacking away and, and writing about James Blackman being named the starting quarterback, Chris, the ACC decided to go ahead and drop a Drop some scheduling news and notes there. So if you want to fill in our listeners to to let them know when they can tune into a couple of Florida State games this year, please. Yep. FSU season opening game against Georgia Tech at Docus Campbell Stadium in Tallahassee, Florida will begin at 3.30 p.m. on September 12th. That game will be shown on ABC. 3.30 kick, September. Probably going to be a pretty spicy hot one till the sun goes down in the second half. The only other scheduling news pertaining to FSU since they have that second week off, the league did announce the second week of games, but FSU obviously has a bye with the Sanford game falling off the schedule and Jacksonville State being scheduled at a later date, is that FSU at Notre Dame, which is October 10th. They The Seminoles travel there. They will play at 7.30 p.m. and that as a home game for the Irish will be shown on NBC. Uh, the ACC schedule starts with UAB at Miami on Thursday, September 10th at 8 p.m. on the ACC Network. In your best game that first week when FSU plays Georgia Tech, eh, it's really not a great game, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Your day starts with Syracuse at UNC at noon on the network. Uh, FSU smacked out midday right before FSU, about an hour. Duke at Notre Dame on NBC. Your nightcap ACC action that you may actually care about, Clemson at Wake at 7.30 p.m. on ABC. And then they also announced all of September 19th, which you can go and check out. That's when FSU is off. That weekend, Miami at Louisville is probably the game I'm going to be watching the most, or Virginia at Virginia Tech. Those two are in an option situation where they could be 3.30 or 7.30 p.m. on ABC. So they're going to figure those out, but they won't be the same time. So you'll be able to stack those two on top of one another. And they announced a few other dates here in October and so on. Uh, you know, Probably the most significant one not involving FSU was Louisville at Notre Dame, which is a week after FSU travels to Notre Dame. 2.30 p.m. on NBC, October 17th. Miami at NC State, November 6th is 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. And Clemson at Notre Dame, which a few people might tune into because we're well, <laughs> probably going to decide the league, 7.30 p.m. on NBC on Saturday, November 7th. So you can check that out. I put the full release of all the scheduled times up there. The ACC is slower to put out scheduled times compared to the SEC, who put out a heck of a lot of times today for their schools. 
I found it interesting that the Florida State Miami game doesn't have a time yet. Yeah, but really nothing on the twenty sixth. That's true. I, I think, true. in fact, nothing on the twenty sixth. Oh, really? Not not one thing. Well, then maybe that's not. Yeah. Uh, once once you get beyond, about. once you get beyond September nineteenth, which is week two, when they put out a lot of dates and FSU is off, the next date is Friday, October 9th, which is a Louisville, Georgia Tech, Campbell Wake situation, and that's because it's Friday. So once in ESPN, the other ones in ACC Network, everything else is there and beyond. A lot of the ones released were Notre Dame, and that's because I think NBC put out their full home schedule times for them. All right, a couple other odds and ends. Let's see, Mike Norvell was asked whether he has a starting five on the offensive line yet. He said, eh, uh, he didn't want to say, but he did feel like they have seven or eight guys who they're confident with. Uh, we are pretty confident at this point. Darius Washington, Dante Lucas, I'm going from left to right. Uh, Baby on Johnson at center. Brady Scott at right guard. And Devontae Love-Taylor at right tackle. Then who would the other guys be? Marie Smith, Chris at center yeah, guard? I think, I think Marie Smith and Andrew Baselli probably factor in there. And then seven. Maybe Chaz Neal is the tackle. But I, I think that they do also like Schrader and Robert Scott, but it's always iffy to put a freshman in that situation. But those guys have earned continuous praise. In fact, James Blackman praised the maturity of the young offensive lineman today when he was speaking on the offensive line. So I think that those guys, we've heard coaches praise them, Atkins, Dillingham, Norvell, but we've also heard several players praise those two specific offensive linemen. What if they have nine offensive linemen they feel okay about? Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. <laughs> Am I getting ahead of myself? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've been known to do that before. Uh, the other note that I thought was interesting, ACC is going to allow crowd noise this year. You actually heard it in the video that FSU released. I think it was yesterday on Monday, but it was from Saturday's practice, if I'm not mistaken. There was some crowd noise being kind of pumped in into practice. Norfell says he does that every single day. Interesting dynamic that that you're going to follow along. You're going to hear crowd noise at times in games when when there aren't really a, a ton of uh, fans in the stand, depending on what what school you're you're watching. Hot take alert, but I think uh -huh. crowd noise is one of the most overrated, over-talked-about things in the history of college football coverage. Do you think – are you going to pull a page from David Hale and say the momentum doesn't exist either? No, no, no. I'm, I'm a believer in some momentum. But crowd noise is so heavily discussed. And in reality, FSU might play in a given year two games away from home where it's truly a factor. You know, maybe yeah. at Miami. But truthfully, at Miami, it's usually fairly a split, FSU and Miami fans. That's our home away from home. And then at Clemson, obviously, you know, in a tight game, it would be a factor. Clemson has a rowdy lot of plays. It is, and NC State, I guess you can throw in there. But UNC, no. Nah. Wake Forest, hell no. Boston College, definitely not. Pitt, nope. What about Syracuse? You get the you get the dome action going? Syracuse, if they're in it, they might get into it. But they're not, like, off the bat, usually a rowdy bunch unless it's a night game, they're drunk, and you're ranked in the top five. Remember when they didn't have – or you weren't up there a couple of years ago. They didn't have the AC. <laughs> Woo! In September, and it was like 90 degrees out. That was fun. You probably should be happy I wasn't there. And isn't it funny that it's a carrier dome and they don't have AC? But it's I do a, think – I, I believe I believe they've added AC. That was the rumor, but I don't know if it actually happened. Remember when FSU was going to add Wi-Fi for the entirety of Doak Campbell Stadium? Sorry, uh, I'm salty. It's too early in the week for me to be yeah, salty. Don't, don't be salty, buddy. Hey, I'm rewinding it back. I apologize. Is this because I took away your bourbon threads? I mean, I'll get bourbon on the on the website somehow or another. I'm not too worried about that. Maybe even on the podcast. We'll see. You can do that during we'll the bye week. See. We'll see. All right, that's fine. I'm going to do a lot of drinking during the bye week probably. Uh, hey, last thing, Chris, before we run. Uh, recruiting 2022 kids, but coaches can bombard them with calls and whatnot now. 
Yeah, the uh, level of communication allowed changes on September 1st for 2022. Basically, the recruiting calendar, it impacts those guys. They're rising sophomores who will be juniors. Schools are officially allowed to send recruiting materials and have electronic transmissions. That, in simple lingo, is all forms of private communication. Telephone calls, DMs, texts, emails, those sort of things. So FSU, you know, as pretty much every school in the country, but FSU did a real good job at around midnight last night, started, you know, sending out edits. I know Norvell and the staff were speaking to kids on the phone. A lot of conversations had. A lot of these kids already knew FSU was interested. There's a few that they're, you know, starting to warm up with those kids a bit more. Some of them have offers. It's kind of a mixed thing. I have put together a rundown of a lot of different edits FSU sent out. It's pretty impressive. It's not one edit fits all. They did do a common one for a lot of guys, and it's a quote about passionate to be great with Mike Norvell. It's pretty cool. But they also did some personalized ones, especially for big targets like a Nico Mercurial quarterback that they're after. Um, Marvin Jones Jr., who's a legacy. They did a legacy edit for that's really cool. So check it out. It's impressive. We've spoken about how that department, the graphics department and recruiting has been so drastically elevated by FSU in the last, mm-hmm. what is it, eight months now. But this is cer- certainly another example of that showing. You know, guys like K-Camp, Byers. I know there's a lot of guys on that design team, and I'm not going to be able to shout them all out because I can't remember them all off the top of my head. They deserve credit. They've done a great job of turning that tide for FSU and turning it into a strength. Yeah, that was the, what I was beautifully said, Chris. I was about to say that went from a weakness to something that when there was an edit that went out, you kind of held your breath and said, hopefully this doesn't turn into a national story to it is a bona fide strength now. Well yeah, done. no one of the edits was Julio Skinner. He's a wide receiver tight end from South Carolina. He he trains with Bryce McGowan's father, who works with a lot of football players. He knows Bryce McGowan's. They did an edit of him and Bryce together. And they also did an edit of him as Kelvin Benjamin catching the national Ooh, championship touchdown. Yeah, that's cool. And it says history repeats itself. Those two edits are solely made for him. And they did that where they did an individual type edit for, I don't know, I've seen at least probably a dozen kids. And it's just impressive. It's attention to detail. And when a coach preaches that and it trickles down to that part of the organization, you can kind of buy into it and believe it's happening. I think FSU has done a, never mind. We'll save this for another time. But but the, it's been a really good job for them and very focused on certain messages like the history and the past of the program. And, and when they start winning more, I've been told they'll start hyping that up as well. So just a good idea of playing to your strengths and just well done. All right, wrapping this podcast up. As I can think, Chris, we got probably one more this week and then two next week, and then it's going to be a game. Yeah. It's happening, yeah. buddy. We'll, so, we'll be, we will be talking some yellow jacket football next week. Maybe. I don't, I'm not big into the opponent preview stuff. But, but what I will say is we are going to do a season preview podcast where we take a thorough look. Chris had a really nice job yesterday breaking down FSU's roster from top to bottom, giving you an idea of developments that have happened throughout camp. It's a VIP article. If you're on the fence for signing in up for Knowles 24-7, I would suggest you do it because it's really good information. We did a depth chart piece today also behind the paywall, but hopefully you guys who already subscribed got a chance to to read that. And, and hey, man, one for one. I nailed yeah. it. James Blackman, QB1. We're one for one already. We obviously had the great 50% off deal last month that concluded at the end of August. I believe it's currently a 30% offer right now that's that going on. But if, if you need some assistance with that and you're on Twitter, feel free to, you know, tag me, Brendan or Josh. We'll help you out. We'll get you guided there. If you're not on there, you can PM us or DM us on uh, the site or, you know, I don't know, find a way, come to oh. my house, knock on the door and I'll, oh. I'll maybe open it for you. I hope it, yeah. 
I'm here for you. Inappropriate. And don't PM or don't message me on Twitter because I'm just going to ask Chris and Josh if they can help me help you. So jump that process. But hey, we're going to wrap this up. We appreciate all the five-star reviews we've gotten in the past week or two. Uh, For everyone listening, thank you, Chris. Thanks for taking a few time out. And I'll go pick up your kids at school. Hopefully I didn't make you too late. This is Brandon Sinone for On the Bench. Sticking the landing with James Blackman is going to be one.